0: We want to ask the question tonight, what's Jesus really like? If we don't have the Jesus of the Bible, then more likely than not we have the Jesus of our own imagination. A Jesus who shares our own preferences. A Jesus who allows us to do and be and think and feel and love what we already like to do and be and think and feel and love A Jesus of our own imagination looks an awful lot like us and allows us to be just as we are. But the Jesus of the Bible is different than us, and he can help us. Tonight we encounter the story of Jesus who encounters a leper, a man with a life-dominating and distorting problem. And we see how Jesus helps him. And we see how Jesus helps us. Let's hear God's Word from Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Amen. This is God's word. May he write it on our hearts tonight. The leper has a massive total life problem that's not too big for Jesus. I want you to consider that this evening. I want you to consider the problem of the leper who Jesus heals, the power of Jesus who heals the leper, and some practical considerations for ourselves individually and as a body. In the first place, I want you to think about the problem of the leper whom Jesus heals. No problem is too difficult for Jesus. That's what we find here. Think of the trouble that this leper is in. Think about this man who says, Lord, you can heal me, You can make me clean if you want to. He's got an infectious disease called leprosy. It's possibly a particular kind of leprosy we know as Hansen's disease, though it may not be. Leviticus chapter 13 in the Old Testament describes a variety of skin skin conditions. The one that we think of leprosy is Hansen's disease. Uh, Dr. Paul Brand, whom I've told you about before, wrote a book called Pain the gift nobody wants after many years of working with uh, leprosy patients around the world. It's a disease which affects the nerves, and because you lose feeling at the extremities, you're prone to injury, to frostbite, uh, to wounds that don't heal on your fingers and toes and nose and earlobes. And you might step on a nail and not feel it. And walk around with a nail in your foot. It's a terrible. What Brand calls a painless hell. And he would send cats home with his patients. In third world countries. To drive away the rats that would come out at night. While patients slept. To eat. Just an awful. Terrible. Nasty. Disease. Now. Now. This man may or may not have had that particular kind of leprosy. But he has something which is potentially contagious and is socially isolating. It's ostracizing. Nobody wants to be around you because nobody wants to get what you have. The Old Testament mandated that you live outside the city. So you left your family and your children and your parents and your friends and you went off to live out. If anyone came near you, you were to raise your hand to your lip to broadcast it more loudly and yell unclean, unclean, to warn others away. The rabbis, not the Bible, but the rabbis used to teach that if a leper sat under a tree, even to walk under the leaves of the tree was the, could make you unclean before God. Leviticus chapter 13 in verses 45-46 is the text that says the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair on his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And so you have to imagine, you have to imagine never being able to attend worship Never to arrive in the temple or the synagogue. Uh, Never to be able to draw near to God in that way and uh, to attend the weddings and funerals of friends and loved ones. Never to be with your wife and hold your children close. You are separated and ostracized. And on top of that, everybody thinks you're cursed by God. The ancient world considered it a mark of God's displeasure and considered you to be cursed by God if you had leprosy. And it was thought to be incurable. At least doctors couldn't do anything for you. The rabbis said it was easier to raise the dead than to cure leprosy. So if you were cured, if it went into remission, if God healed you, it was, and it was in God's hands to do that, the law of Moses uh, made a provision for you to go show yourself to the priest So that he could certify, in fact, that you no longer had the skin disease. It's not because the priest himself could heal you. He just acknowledged that you were, in fact, healed and pronounced you clean. So this guy has a total, massive life disease that disorders everything, in his experience. He's infectious. He's contagious. He's maybe rat-eaten. He's probably incurable, certainly assumed to be so, assumed to be cursed, socially isolated, and emotionally wounded. It's a huge, huge problem. I want to say to you a couple of things about that. Number one, don't ever be surprised if in your life or the life of somebody you know, you find massive, debilitating, problems that leave people desperate, that leave people feeling absolutely alone and isolated in their problem. Never be surprised by that. And in verse 40, it says, this leper, leopard makes a mad dash for life, as one man put it, and rushes to Jesus to throw himself down at his feet to say, in desperation, if you are willing you can make me clean. And so he throws himself on the mercy of Jesus, not simply to heal him, but also to protect him. You know, this guy is now in the community. He's likely to get stoned by people who are fearful if he doesn't have the protection of Jesus. But he asks for mercy, for, to be cleaned. if you are willing. I, I know that you can, he says. Uh, As another man put it, a a Roman soldier would have said, I know that you can make me well. I know that you can physically heal me. But this man is obviously a Jew asking not only for uh, healing, but but to be made clean, to be ceremonially unclean so that he can actually reattend appropriately the worship of God. And so he's saying to Jesus, "I, I have this huge problem and I know it's not too big for you. If you'll just give your attention to it, please have mercy on me, Jesus. That's the man. He's right. There is no problem too big for Jesus. And I want you to consider the power then of Jesus who heals this leper. I want you to see that there is no problem too big for him and no problem that is too dirty for him. Look how kind he is to this leper. Look how kind. You get that, right? This, this leper is not only diseased, but he is disobedient when he appears at the feet of Jesus. He is not supposed to be there. He's supposed to be far off yelling, unclean, unclean. The, the question we ought to ask is, and anyone standing there would have asked is, will Jesus heal a man who is at that very moment functionally disobedient to the law of God? Functionally disobedient to God? Or is Jesus going to say to him, get away from me, start doing what God tells you to do, and then come talk to me after you've straightened up, and I might help you. The leper here doesn't doubt Jesus' ability to, ability to heal. I know that you can do it, but he also doesn't take for granted the willingness of Jesus' To heal, and you and I ought never to do that either. He knew Jesus was absolutely sovereign, that Jesus could help, but that he was under no obligation to help. He knows Jesus is able. That's not the question. He knows I don't have a right to claim from you this healing. It is so easy for you and I, however, to fall into the trap of thinking that Jesus is somehow obligated to help when he is not. We don't, listen to me, we don't command his help because we don't command his compassion and mercy. If we did, we would call it justice, not mercy. And we would be saying something like, give me what you know I deserve. Be just to me. But we're asking for mercy here. And so he says, I know that you can heal me if you are willing and want to. And Jesus says, I am. In an act of great pity, because he loves this man, he heals him. He's willing to heal all who have totally dysfunctional and desperate problems. People who have nothing to offer him except their uncleanness. You understand that what you are seeing here is what God is like. This is who God is. How God treats people. Jesus in a burst of raw power does what no human could do. He cures the incurable. And he displays his deity. You see on display here Jesus who is all the fullness of God dwelt bodily. Upon the earth. One uh, of my seminary professors said, In, uh, in God, there is no unChrist likeness at all. When you see Christ, you see God. When you see the, the compassion of Jesus, you're seeing the, the pity of God Himself. And so, in, in Act of Pity, verse 41, He doesn't just speak a word, but He reaches out and He touches the man. And touch isn't strong enough a word for it, He handles him. He, he grabs him. You, you have to imagine what this would have meant for this guy. It's absolutely unnecessary to his physical healing. Jesus can just speak the word and he'll be made whole. But imagine the emotional healing this would have been to finally have someone who's clean embrace him physically. You know that there's a medical condition called failure to thrive among infants? For those, those infants who are absent human physical touch and human emotional warmth, they simply fail to develop properly. We were, Melinda and I were out to dinner with a couple, and, she, and he, he was telling a story about his wife, and he was describing her love language as touch. Are you familiar with the idea that, that there are different ways and you know this in your experience, there are different ways you actually receive love from people, and there are different ways that you give love. To people, I mean, some people uh, thrive on words of affirmation. Some people thrive on lots of quantity time. Some people thrive on gift giving or gift receiving. It's it's a way that they personally feel love or love to express love. Well, she uh, he noted his wife's love language was touch. She loves to be touched. One one time he says we were we were sitting together with another couple in an interview. My husband was being interviewed. The husband there was being interviewed for a job and she was nervous and he was nervous and uh they were sitting a little bit apart and at some point in the interview she simply reached over with a finger and grabbed him by the belt loop side and said i can breathe just a little touch was extraordinarily healing healthy. we take it too much for granted but, but Jesus knows all this about us and he touches this man he embraces this man and yet he does so the clean touching the unclean without himself becoming unclean unlike any other who would have been unclean for touching the unclean Jesus is cleanliness itself he's life and health itself and so he remains clean While he heals the man. And then he instructs in verse 43. He tells this disobedient leper. To stay silent. And confirm the miracle with the priests. He sternly charged him. It says. That's an unusual expression. Uh, It it comes from a word that originally meant. To snort like a horse. uh, Which came to be used. In expressions of indignation. Or anger. You know to be sort of hot through the nose about something? Why is Jesus now, after being so tender, speaking words so stern, maybe because he knows in the face of all this kindness, this man is going to make life harder for Jesus. Why does he tell him to remain silent and go show himself to the priests in verse 44? I want to suggest three reasons for that. He's looking out for the welfare of the leper. Jesus is telling him, now look, go get the certificate of cleanliness from the priests so you can be officially recognized in the community. So no one will think you're a threat. You get off the FBI's most avoided list, right? He's looking out for the man. Go do what you're supposed to do and you'll be welcomed back into the community. That's the first thing. But secondly, of course, Jesus himself doesn't want to be associated with breaking the law of the Old Testament. And this man needs to, according to the Old Testament, go do this. He, Jesus doesn't want to be falsely accused of law breaking. But thirdly, specifically, the text says to bring judgment on the unbelief of the priests. He says to bring a testimony to or against them you can imagine the conversation i'm cured you're what i'm cured well how did that happen well i met a man man named jesus he touched me and said be clean and i was clean And and the priest would have said what who But that testimony would have worked as a testimony against them if they didn't then embrace Jesus as God who cures the incurable. It's a testimony to them and against them. And it is a testimony to all of us in the same way. Let this story teach you. You have no problem too difficult for Jesus You also have no problem too dirty for Jesus. And I want to make some points of application, personal and corporate, with that regard. You're saying, you know what, this is all great, but I just can't relate to this, guy. This is not my issue. Well, consider it this way. The Bible says we all have a massive total life problem that we pass along to our children that we entice others into it's kind of contagious in that way it's humanly incurable it is socially isolating it's spiritually hindering and it is god cursed and it's called sin according to the bible you say well come on you're leaping from this guy's leprosy to saying we're all lepers yes spiritually that is what we are in fact the bible uses the language of uh, to depict the the dreadfulness of our spiritual disease it uses this kind of language of leprosy the bible will say we're covered with open pussy sores from the top of our head to the soles of our feet we're unclean and we can't heal ourselves And I want to take an example of that, rather pointedly. But it is an example of a powerful sin that many are eaten up by and feel powerless to overcome. One that causes personal and relational problems, but one that Christ is able and willing to heal. And the example I want to give is lust, fed by pornography. You know that the porn industry in America is larger than the automobile industry? That the the making and uh, distributing of uh, X rated videos and material on the internet is larger as an industry than GM, Chrysler, Chevy, Toyota, and Honda combined. It's a massive problem in our culture today, and it can seem unshakably addictive. It internally rips you up. It's socially isolating. What do you mean by it's socially isolating? If so many people are embracing it, well, it's less isolating than it used to be. But it does tend to isolate men from women, from real relationships with women, because it encourages the thoughts of a man's heart to objectify women. What do I mean by that? To see women as objects to be used not as people to be related to not as sisters to be loved and cared for and protected but, but as objects to be used but, and so it, it tends to create walls between men and women you'll find that a man eaten up with porn finds his eyes trained in secret to ignore the face and the brain you'll find If this is an issue for you, you'll find in your marriage that you have trained your heart to flit from one girl to another and one performance to another. And it can make it hard to be faithful in your heart and mind and imagination. But porn doesn't just isolate men from women and husbands from their wives. It isolates men from men. It's an interesting thing that, as I understand the history during World War II, Hitler had not only bombs dropped on the Allied forces, but he had massive amounts of porn dropped. He knew it would, on the one hand, weaken the resolve of the soldiers. What are you all doing here in foreign territory? Why don't you go home and be with your wife? But it also tends to isolate men from men in this way. It creates two-faced men. For most men, in a company of other men, they want to be seen as moral and upright and good. Yet while secretly, they're involved in a dark and private, inward, compulsive sin. And that kind of pride and that hypocrisy can really, really chew you up and spit you out. It makes it difficult for you to be honest about who you really are it makes you afraid for anyone to really know you as you are it's a terribly isolating experience and that is simply listen we ought to say that's become less and less just a man's problem in our world I've had nobody in this room I've had JBU college females tell me that this is their problem nobody you know but this is just one among many. This is simply an example. There are other issues that are total, uh, uh, totally debilitating, like, like binge drinking or binge eating or compulsive exercise or unrestrained rage, uh, constant lying to get away with things, shading of the truth, shoplifting, um, constant coveting. Of what others have that you don't. Ignoring your spouse on a regular basis. Nagging your spouse on a regular, regular basis. It tends to put up a wall and isolate. It can feel like I just can't stop doing this, saying this, being this way. We could just pile up examples of the way that sin does this. Now listen... Listen, you need to know that Jesus is able and Jesus is willing to forgive and to cleanse and to heal and to help. And He's not waiting for you to clean you up before He'll make you clean. Throw yourself at His feet and ask Him. To know our disease is one step towards a cure but maybe you're too proud to admit that you have this problem pride will keep you from getting help there was an english lady the story is told a friend uh, of lady huntington who was lady huntington was friends with um john newton and william uh, Wilberforce and some of those men she loved the gospel she loved to hear George Whitfield preach and she took such great joy in being a Christian that she would invite many of her high society friends to come and hear the preaching of the gospel so she invited her friend the Duchess of Buckingham who wrote to her a letter in response to the invitation which has become famous writing it is monstrous to be told that you have a heart as sinful as the common wretches that crawl the earth. And this is highly offensive and insulting. And I cannot but wonder that your own ladyship should relish any sentiments at such variance with high rank and good breeding. Pride pride kept her from coming to hear the gospel of a savior who touches the untouchable don't let your pride keep you from jesus but shame will keep you from him too it is amazing to me how frequently in my life i am less ashamed to sin than i am to go to jesus to be forgiven i'm more embarrassed to ask for help then I, embar- then I am embarrassed to commit the sin. Jesus would say to you, I am not ashamed of my people. The Bible explicitly says that he is our elder brother and he is not ashamed of us. Friends, he, he knows and he sees already. Don't let shame keep you from him, but don't let your self-confidence keep you from him either. If you think that you can just handle your own sin, you'll never ask for help. And so you'll never taste the power and compassion of Jesus. Oh, friends, if you say, if you say, I've got deep and dirty problems, powerful and destructive sins in my life and my relationships, and Jesus can't heal them, they're too big for him, then the leper is is here to say to you that you are wrong. Don't believe the lie that you are pure, and don't believe the lie that you are too impure for Jesus to make you pure. We are all lepers. Sin is a total life disease. In the good news of the gospel, you get immediate and everlasting forgiveness you get the guarantee of future glory in perfection. And you get the promised help of Jesus by his spirit, through his truth, to help you in your fight with sin. And the more you walk with him, the more you will see yourself and your own darkness. Don't be afraid to come to Jesus. But now there's a corporate application as well. Redeemer, Presbyterian Church, is a community of lepers. That is who we are. We believe we're lepers embraced by Jesus. And as that community, I would ask us, do we have the same kind of love as Jesus for the unlovely? We should be a community that reaches out to people in our own community. People, our culture ostracizes like homosexuals like illegal immigrants like those who are just out of prison like adulterers who've destroyed their families this is the kind of people we should be but i will say to you it is almost always easier to minister out there than right here It will almost always be easier to do an act of compassion there than to be a compassionate person here. There's a sense in which it's easy to love a stranger and go your way. It is hard to love the people you live with when they're nagging, they're complaining, they're poking, they're prodding. Their words, their hard heart, their massive total life problem rubs up against you. It is hard. How do we get that love and that compassion? Well, look at verse 45. Jesus tells the man, don't tell anyone what I did. And instead, in verse 45... The leper does exactly what Jesus told him not to do, tells everyone, and the result, look at the result. The result is that the leper and Jesus have changed places. Tim Keller says, because of the leper's sin, now the leper who used to have to be in lonely places is in the city. And Jesus, who used to be able to be in the city, has to go out into lonely places and what you have here is a picture of what happens at the end of Jesus life when when he is crucified he is taken outside the get- city outside the gate to the garbage dump to be killed he's taken out to the place of lepers he's become a pariah he's become unclean he is excluded so that we could be taken in so that we could be welcomed so that we could be made clean Listen, Jesus became what you are upon the cross so that you could become what he is in glory. This is good news, and it is from him that we get compassion, from him that we get this kind of love. He can give it to us because he makes us clean. Let's look to him in prayer. Jesus, we need you. And where we feel shame and where we feel powerlessness, would you in pity reach out and touch us and heal us and help us, change us? And where we are arrogant, where we are self-confident, where we think we can live on our own, would you humble us for our own good and for your glory? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, let's stand and sing in response to Jesus. We have two hymns of response tonight.